It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are halfway through the regular season for the Texas Longhorns football team, so now it is time to grade each unit on offense, defense. We're even grading the coaches' staff, Pete Kikowski and Steve Sarkeesian. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, once again, we are grading each unit offensively, defensively, even the coaching staff, Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kukowski. Nobody's safe. Just kidding. We're five and one, a top 10 team. I think the worst grade I gave out was a B. So everybody is safe. But all of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A few housekeeping notes before we get into the subject matter. Uh, obviously, as a personal result, the Red River shootout was not great for me. I wanted Texas to win that game. I wanted to be able to bump my gums, come out here, talk some trash, and just enjoy a 6-0 and football team that was in the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship in the college football playoff. Now, those goals are certainly still intact, but like I said, that was not the personal goal I wanted. Professionally, I couldn't have asked for anything more. My Monday episode, the recap of the Red River shootout, was my best performing video of all time, over 10,000 views. I think previously it was at like 5.5. Right. So to go up all the way up to 10 was amazing. I want to thank all of the Texas fans that have supported me since 2022. And I want to thank the Oklahoma fans that really showed up and showed out on my channel, allowing me to reach that 10,000 uh, view plateau for the first time. All of the likes, all of the comments, all of the subscriptions. I'm extremely grateful. And it just shows why I'm now a believer. Texas and Oklahoma is the best rivalry in college sports. Right. I'm willing to say that now on the podcast. And speaking of another big rivalry involving the state of Texas, I'm a diehard Rangers fan. You all know that if you listen to the podcast and I've been jabbing Astros fans all year. We've been going back and forth talking about the division. None of that matters now. Right. The Rangers and the Astros are in the ALCS. One of those teams is four wins away from the World Series. Uh, my heart is beating out of my chest already and it's not Sunday yet. So uh, it's going to be a tough series. It's going to be gut wrenching uh, at times. It's going to be anxiety inducing but hopefully the rangers can get back to the world series for the first time since i was in high school i just turned 30 a few weeks ago high school man let's get it done all right now here to talk uh here time to talk about the texas football team and this is a really good football team like i said five and one one of the best football teams in the country so these grades are going to be very favorable right because we've seen very favorable play uh on the football field from the texas longhorns thus far even with the most recent loss to your biggest rival in oklahoma i'm starting with the quarterback position it's the most important position in sports certainly the most important position on the football field and this really isn't a grade of the unit because we haven't seen arch manning and malik murphy has gotten in in spot duty but nothing too crazy nothing you can draw from the tape so this is really a grade of Quinn Ewers, and I'm giving him an A for this year. I've been hard on Quinn Ewers at times just because of the ranking he came in with and my expectations of him, but he's certainly been a really good quarterback, one of the best in the country this season. I think when we brought Quinn Ewers in last year, our expectations were for him were to change the trajectory of the program. And I'm not sure he did that in his first year, right? But this year, we asked Quinn Ewers to lead this team to a Big 12 championship or be capable or have lead a team capable of winning the Big 12 championship. That's the best way to say that. He's certainly done that through six weeks. Lead a team that's capable 
of making the college football playoff. He's certainly done that through six weeks. And we expected Quinn Ewers to insert himself squarely into the Heisman conversation. And he's certainly done that through six weeks. That's why I give him an A. Through six games, he's had three great games, right? I think Kansas, Baylor, and Alabama were all great games from the young quarterback. He's had two good games, Rice and Oklahoma. I think he was good, but not great in those games, but certainly good enough to win both of them. And then one poor game against Wyoming. But based on what you saw from Quinn Ewers last year, you would expect that. Overall, he's been really good. Five out of his six games have been good to great. And when you look at the statistics, the jump, from year one to year two that we expected in Steve Sarkeesian is certainly shown up in the box score. Improved completion percentage, improved yards per game, improved yards per attempt, and improved passer rating. You can't expect much more than that from Quinn Ewers. And he's already tied his 2022 touchdown total. 16 touchdowns through 10 games last year, 16 touchdowns through six games this year. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in college football. He's one of the biggest reasons why Texas looks like one of the scariest teams in the country, like I said, even coming off their most recent loss to Oklahoma. At running back, if I was just grading Jonathan Brooks, this would be an A++. He's been phenomenal. But I'm giving the whole room an A-, minus, and I'll explain in a minute. Jonathan Brooks, the Power 5 rushing leader with 726 yards. We all expected a drop-off, especially at the running back one position, losing the eighth overall pick in the draft, a player who's borderline generational in B. John Robinson, and that has not been the case because Jonathan Brooks, once again, has been special this year at the 40 acres, leading the Power Five with 726 yards. I have to qualify it like that because there's a dude in FBS at Troy with over 800 rushing yards just killing the game right now. So Jonathan Brooks, just a Power Five rushing leader, but we'll see what happens, right? Six more games in the regular season, averaging 6.7 yards per carry. That is insane six weeks through the regular season. And if you add in his passing numbers or receiving numbers, I should say, 847 total yards and seven touchdowns. I had him as an outside Heisman contender coming into the Oklahoma game. Obviously, with the loss and all the great quarterback play, you probably wouldn't have him in the top five to six right now. But like I said, six more games. If Texas wins out, he certainly can get back into that conversation. Jonathan Brooks has been special. The reason I give the running back room an A minus, even with Jonathan Brooks' performance, is because we have not found another running back to go along with Jonathan Brooks. And I think partially that's because of Cedric Baxter and his play thus far. And that's partially because of Steve Sarkeesian. So when I look at Cedric Baxter, he was the number one running back in the country coming in. And we all thought that he would be really special at the 40 acres, right? And he will be really special at the 40 acres. But it was confusing to a lot of us that going into game one, Jonathan Brooks, who we've seen perform at a high level on the field, was demoted to running back two for Cedric Baxter. And Cedric Baxter throat thus far through six games. I know he hasn't played in all six, maybe four or five, but he has 175 yards at exactly four yards per carry. And really, it's rounded up. It's like 3.999, something like that. So he just hasn't shown what we would have expected thus far as a true freshman. And that in no way, shape, or form am I giving up on Cedric Baxter or saying he hasn't been good or he needs to be better, anything like that. Like, he's a true freshman acclimating. I completely understand that. But he just has not been productive as Roshan Johnson was last year in that second running back role. So I have to take the running back grade from an A-plus down to an A-minus. Also, when I look at Jaden Blue, 112 yards at 4.9 yards per carry, he has simply outplayed Cedric Baxter this year but has half the touches that Cedric Baxter has. And I want to ask... What is going on with that with Steve Sarkeesian? Every time I've seen Jaden Blue touch the ball, whether it be last year, whether it be in the spring game, whether it be this year, he just looks extremely explosive. And for some reason, he doesn't get any touches, especially in the passing game. And he's only averaging four touches a game in games that we've blown teams out. And he's been able to get in and get garbage time carries. So I think Cedric Baxter will be really good eventually, but he has not shown that yet. 
Jaden Blue has jumped off my screen every time he's gotten a touch. And for some reason, he has half the touches of Cedric Baxter this year. And Jonathan Brooks really has carried this running back room because we haven't gotten much production outside of it, maybe due to Cedric Baxter still learning the position at the college level and due to some stubbornness from Steve Sarkeesian, not giving Jaden Blue, one of his best players, one of his most explosive players, more touches this early on in the season. Wide receiver, I'm giving them an A-. minus. I think this unit has been really good. And last year we had to deal with only two wide receivers having an impact on this football team, right? Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington, and then there was everybody else, right? I don't think Casey Kane got his 10th catch of the season until the Washington game, right? That's how um, divided, I guess, the production was in the wide receiver room. It was literally Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and then everybody else last year. So that's why you brought in Adonai Mitchell to shore up that room, and your top three has been absolutely amazing in this offense under Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian. Xavier Worthy, 34 catches for 453 yards and three touchdowns. I believe he is leading the Big 12 Conference with receiving yards right now. Adonai Mitchell, 25 catches for 354 yards and four touchdowns. He has been uh, a welcome sight and given us another wide receiver one coming over from Georgia this year. And then Jordan Whittington, he's just steady in the slot. Two, 22 catches for 257 yards. He's been really good this year. The reason I give them an A- minus because I would give the top three an A+. Plus, as we expected more four receiver sets this year, especially with all of the talent in that room, we expected guys like Isaiah Nayor, Jonte Cook, maybe even DeAndre Moore to have an impact alongside those top three guys uh, this season. And through six weeks, that has not been the case. Jonte Cook has four catches. Isaiah Nayor has one catch, so they have five catches combined. Nobody else in the wide receiver room has a catch, right? So if you would have told me six weeks through the season, that the wide receiver four, whether it be Jonte Cook or Isaiah Nayor, would only have five catches, I would have told you you were lying, right? And I would have said, oh, okay, what's going on with that, right? So, you know, hopefully in the back half of the season, we can get Jonte Cook and Isaiah Nayor, maybe DeAndre Moore, whoever, a little bit more involved. And this just isn't, isn't me saying that. Steve Sarkeesian said he was kicking himself, wishing that he got Jonte Cook more involved in the Oklahoma game. It's one thing to say it in the press conferences. It's one thing to actually apply it. Steve Sarkeesian has to start applying it. The crazy thing is Byron Murphy this year, the defensive tackle, has the same amount of catches as Isaiah Nayor and more touchdowns than Jordan Whittington. So shout out to Byron Murphy. But I want to see more production in the fourth, fifth, and sixth spot from our wide receiver room, especially if we're blowing teams out the way that we are uh, under Steve Sarkeesian. Moving on to the tight end room, I'm giving them an A+. Plus, right, Jatavian Sanders has been exceptional this year, and I think we've seen the big play capability that we didn't see enough last year. Right, 14 catches for 291 yards and a touchdown. 21 yards per catch. He's been special this year. Gunner Helm. If you told me Gunner Helm had 118 yards this season, I'd have been like, damn, good for Gunner Helm. For him to have 118 yards through six weeks is especially surprising. Seven catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. And get this, right? Through six games, the tight end room has 409 yards and two touchdowns on 19 yards per reception. That is absolutely crazy. This tight end room has been explosive, making a lot of plays. And, you know, JT Sanders wasn't the best blocking in the last game but he was hurt I'm not sure you know I haven't just super dived into the tape to see how JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm are blocking this year but it really doesn't matter right they've blocked enough for us to have one of the top offenses in the country and like I said they've been explosive in the passing game your tight end room is averaging 19 yards per catch like your tight end room is more explosive than your wide receiver room right now that is absolutely crazy they've been a huge part of this offense and Quinn Ewers growth and development this season, giving him a safety blanket. And then we saw in the Oklahoma game how Gunnar Helm just ran wide open 
for a touchdown. So Steve Sarkeesian has done a great job of scheming them open. JT Sanders had the, the Xavier Worthy pass. Uh, you know, I see now why Steve Sarkeesian said that tight end may be the most second important position in his offense, because when he has a good one, you see what he can do, right? Especially when he has two good ones. Offensive line, you know, rounding out the uh, offensive grades. I'm giving them a B plus. Right. I think this is a unit that brought back a lot of talent and they've been really good thus far. But at times they've left something to be desired. Right. Quinn Ewers in six games has been sacked more than he was in 10 games last year. Right. He had 11 sacks in 10 games last year, 14 sacks in six games this year. So the pass blocking has taken a step back. Right. They've had false starts in every game. But Alabama, if you can be disciplined against Nick Saban and that Alabama football team, you can be disciplined against everybody else. That has not been the case. And they had some struggles against Rice, getting that running game going. Jonathan Brooks, who leads the FBS in rushing yards, couldn't crack 60 in that game. They had some struggles against Wyoming going into the fourth quarter, 10-10. That could have been because Steve Sarkeesian didn't lean on the running game. It kept giving Quinn Ewers opportunities to get comfortable. But nonetheless, right, the offensive line didn't really get that great of a push until the fourth quarter. And then Oklahoma, I just thought that they lost that matchup to the Oklahoma defensive line. Um, our offensive line struggling, giving up a bunch of sacks and not getting a huge push into the second half in the run game. And then when you look at it, I gave them a B plus because I just mentioned all the negatives, but they are the biggest reason that we're 13th in total offense, right? Because they have to get a push on every play. So I give them a B plus because even though they've had some shortcomings thus far this year and it may have cost them the game against Oklahoma, they still are you know, the big men up front leading us to the 13th total offense. So overall, the offense has been really good. That's why every unit got a grade, at least at B plus a quick word from our sponsors. And then we'll start talking about the defensive line and that side of the ball. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets just for placing a $5 bet, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the National Football League. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, we're moving on, talking about the defensive line now, and I gave them an A. I think this defensive line has dominated teams through five games, right, whether it was Rice, Alabama, Wyoming, Kansas, or Baylor, they dominated all five of those teams. And I thought that Jeff Levy, Dylan Gabriel, and Oklahoma did a really good job with the tempo getting to them in the Oklahoma game, right? I thought that they were strong up front, maybe at first, but just after the course of the game, not being able to substitute at your normal rate, uh, having Savandre Sweat and Byron Murphy have to cover 80 yards, you know, all the way down the field, all of that. They just were gassed at the end and didn't have that same impact, especially on that last drive where there really just was no pass rush and Dylan Gabriel drove down the field. But dominant five out of the six games they played, that's why they have an A. Savandre Sweat and Byron Murphy have been dominant, particularly two of the best defensive tackles in the country. Byron Murphy has even gotten in and, 
you know, made some plays on the offensive side of the ball. So he's been really special thus far as well. The defense, when you look at it, they are allowing 112 yards a game and 3.4 yards per carry in the rushing game. That's really good. But when you look at it, Oklahoma ran for 201 yards and 4.7 yards per carry. So that's factored into how good they've been with the 112 yards a game and the 3.4 yards per carry. You take away that Oklahoma game, and they've been one of the best run defenses in the country. So this unit has especially been special. They've taken a lot of pressure off the linebackers and the corners and safeties on the back end. And like I said, Tamandre Sweat and Byron Murphy have been two of the best players in the conference through six weeks. That unit gets an A from me linebackers B plus right I think Jalen Ford has been really good this year but he's taking a step back from his all-American season right when you look at the statistics he's not having the same impact through six weeks that he did last year you know through his all-American season and the Oklahoma game was just not great for Jalen Ford right they put him in conflict all game um, having to decide you know if Dylan Gabriel was going to run or if he was going to have to cover uh, receivers over the middle and he just didn't do a good job grasping that right as most players wouldn't right I think Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel deserved more credit for that than Jalen Ford deserves blame, right? And they really had the whole defense in conflict, which is why they scored the most points Texas has given up all season and drove down the field in 71 seconds to score the game when it touched them. So Jalen Ford has been good, had a bad game, but for the most part, through six weeks, you know, he's had five really good ones, right? David Bender, he's made some plays, but he maybe gave up the biggest play of the season, right? You could say maybe that was on uh Jaron Thompson, maybe it was on David Bender. I know Jay <laughs> Jaron Thompson was covering somebody and David Bender was playing zone, not covering anybody, right? There was somebody wide open in his quadrant in the back of the end zone. So I have to believe that David Bender is the one that smoked that coverage. And, you know, when one loss can completely change your season in college football, David Bender may have completely changed the season. So he's had some good plays, but he's given up some really big plays. And that could be the biggest play that he gave up against Oklahoma. Anthony Hill has been special, right? And they've used him in a variety of different ways. And from my eye, he's been special in every way that they've used him. Crazy stat, three sacks this year. In the two biggest games, two against Alabama and one against Oklahoma. I said one day he will be an SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I'm still standing on that. And what we've seen from the first six games of Anthony Hill's career confirms to me that he's going to be special. Cornerbacks, I'm giving them an A, right? This was kind of hard to grade because so much of being a corner goes into the safety covers you have behind you, uh, the defensive line up front, right? And then I think the third most important thing is how good you cover individually, right? They get a lot of help, but they also have probably the toughest job, right? Because you have to cover somebody backwards, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to go as fast as they are going forward. And they know where they're going. The quarterback knows where they're going. You have to figure it out in real time. I think the cornerbacks have been solid in coverage, and I think they've been good in run support. And that's all you can ask from them thus far. Texas is 48th in pass defense. You would hear that at the surface and say, that's not great. They need to be a little bit better. I agree, right? 48th, that's uh, getting too close to about halfway average, right, in the country. But this is where you know that the 48th in pass defense is a little bit misleading. They are 19th in completion percentage allowed, right? And this goes to everybody that covers the linebackers, the corners, and the safeties. But I just included this in the corner a bit, right? 19th in completion percentage allowed at 54.9%, right? Texas is allowing other quarterbacks to complete 54.9% in the passing game. You'll take that game in and game out. 21st in passer rating allowed. I think they're allowing a passer rating to opposing quarterbacks of 112 out of 200. And you would have to think that Dylan Gabriel, I didn't even look at his passer rating from the last game, would be the biggest reason that that's even at 112, right? Without the Oklahoma game, it's probably closer to 100, if not lower. So um, this passing defense has been really good this year, and the corners are the most 
uh, responsible for that. I think Jade Barron, Ryan Watts, Malik Muhammad, and Terrence Brooks have all been good. Austin Jordan has a pick this year, and I thought Gavin Holmes uh, has played nicely in the limited snaps he's gotten. So I give the cornerback room an A. I think they've been really good thus far through six weeks. Safeties, I've given them a B, right? Um, I think the safety unit has been good. I think that we saw last year, um, really the safeties were kind of the biggest part of the defense taking that next step. And I thought that we expected a better year from Jaron Thompson. I thought, think that we thought that bringing in Jalen Catalan would take the safety room to the next level. And they've been good, but I'm not sure that that's happened yet. Uh, Jalen Catalan, Michael Taft, and Jaron Thompson have all given up big plays, right? We saw Catalan give up that big 40-yard pass that was pretty crucial uh, to, I think, Jaleel Farouk in the Oklahoma game. He gave it up to somebody, but I, I think it was Jaleel Farouk. Uh, we saw Jaron Thompson. He was probably the biggest reason that uh, Jalen Milrow had that deep pass to Jermaine Burton to take the lead in the Alabama game. Uh, he was responsible for giving up that big run in the Wyoming game where they went up 7-0, to and then Michael Tav has given up some big plays in the past game. Also, because of Jalen Catalan's health, I know that Steve Sarkeesian uh, has said that he's not on a pitch count, but like I said, you know, he's on a pitch count, right? And he should be, right, with all the injuries he's had at Arkansas. And so I don't think that he's had the impact we thought Jalen Catalan would have because he's been in a limited opportunity. Now, the good, right, why I gave them a B, Jaron Thompson, who could not catch at all last year, has two interceptions, one against Alabama in a huge game in a huge spot, and then a pick six uh, the next week against Wyoming for a touchdown. And I think Derek Williams, speaking of true freshman and the impact that Anthony Hill has had, Derek Williams has come in in a few games and been really, really good, especially uh, in that Oklahoma game. I know there were a few plays on the last drive where he was a little bit lost, but I mean, he's a true freshman in the biggest game of his life. But other than that, he's been really good. Even in the Oklahoma game, holistically, he was really good. So I give the safeties a B. I think that they've made some plays, but they've given up some bigger plays and maybe some plays in that Oklahoma game that led to us losing. All right. So now we have talked about the offensive side of the ball. We have talked about the defensive side of the ball. And like I said, it's a five and one football team, one of the best teams in the country. So none of the grades were lower than a B. They've all graded pretty, pretty favorably through six weeks. But how would you grade Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kukowski up until this point in the season? A quick word from our sponsors. And then we talk about the offensive and defensive coordinator for this Texas football team. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So looking to make the best hire possible? Then post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to as fast as possible. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Remember terms and conditions do apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup. That's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary.
All right, going into the season, we talked about Steve Sarkeesian, and I'll always bring up these quotes, and I'll never forget them, and I think they're important. I think they're relevant, right? When he talked about, you know, this is year three. It feels like my team. They feel like my guys. They're they're running. They're talking. They're practicing like my team, all of that, right? And we saw the way that he recruited at USC, but because of personal demons, he never got to, uh, you know, see those recruiting classes through on the field, even though you know, under the next coach, those recruiting classes had two back-to-back 10-win seasons. And we see the way that he's recruited at the University of Texas with a special emphasis on the trenches, right? And last year, this football team went eight and five, and now they're five and one and one of the best teams in the country. So Steve Sarkeesian certainly has done a good job coming into this year of building up the roster. This year, I would give Steve Sarkeesian a B plus, right? And I had him a minus, but then I looked up the red zone stats and I, and I took him down to a B plus. But Steve Sarkeesian has done an exceptional job this year. I think there were questions about his play calling and his game managing coming in. I know that after the Oklahoma game, <laughs> there's still some more questions about his game management. But I think for the most part, his play calling uh, has been really, really good. You could say that, you know, on the one yard line, I'm not going to scream again, but you could say on the one yard line, he could have been a little more diverse with his play calling. I'll listen to that argument. Um, you could say on third and 10, he was too conservative and Trish should have tried to pass the ball with Quinn Ewers and win the game. I'll listen to that argument. But outside of that, I think he's been absolutely flawless with his plot. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> with his play calling through six weeks. Right. Five and one team, top 10 team beat Alabama, beat his mentor in Nick Saban, certainly a big 12 and college football playoff contender. So Steve Sarkeesian deserves a ton of praise for where he has this Texas football team and this Texas program in year three in his tenure. Now, concerns I have with Steve Sarkeesian in this offense. Texas is 13th in total offense, right? That's really good. They are 13th in total offense. So you would expect them to score like the 13th total offense in the country. But that has not been the case. Texas is 13th in total offense. So they do a really good job of accumulating yards. But they're 27th in scoring. 13th in total offense, but 27th in scoring. There's a disconnect there, Steve Sarkeesian, right? If we can accumulate all of those yards at the 13th highest rate in the country, then we should be scoring around the 13th highest rate in the country or better. We're leaving some points on the field. Now, when you get to the red zone, it looks a little bit worse, right? Texas is 65th in the country in red zone success. So how often they score in the red zone? Field goals or touchdowns? They are 65th. There's a hundred or what, 31 or 134 teams in FBS. So essentially they are dead middle in FBS football in red zone scoring with the 13th offense in college football. That is ridiculous, right? That we are struggling that bad in the red zone. I didn't even know that until I looked at the stats. We are average, like dead even in FBS college football with all of the talent we have on offense in the red zone. And when you look at it, it gets even worse when you go specifically to touchdowns. You might fall out your chair when you hear this. Texas is 121st in the country. 121st in the country in touchdown rate in the red zone. That's absolutely unacceptable for a team that moves their offense at the 13th highest rate in the country to be 121st in the red zone in touchdown percentage when you get between the 20s, right? That is not great at all, right? Also, I talked about this earlier with the running back room, but why does Jaden Blue only have 22 touches through six games when every time he touches the ball, he looks like one of the most explosive players in college football? And every time he's touched the ball this year or overall, he's been more productive with his touches than Cedric Baxter. 
You know, I know Cedric Baxter was the number one running back in the country. I know that there could be some politics involved whenever you're rated that high. But if Jonathan Brooks is one of the most explosive players, excuse me, if Jaden Blue is one of the most explosive players on this football team, then he needs to touch the ball like one of the most explosive players on this football team. And secondly, I talked about this with the wide receiver grades, but the wide receiver rotation, what's up with it, right? I understand Adonai Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and Xavier Worthy are going to dominate the touches in that room. But Isaiah Nayor averaged 20 yards of reception the last time he was healthy at Wyoming. Jonte Cook was a top 40 player in the country in this recruiting class. They have five catches combined through six weeks. I think we can be a little bit more creative with our wide receiver rotation. So Steve Sarkeesian has been great this year. That's why I give him a B plus. But these red zone numbers, these scoring numbers and leaving our, our explosive offensive players on the sideline, especially in big games, that needs to improve in the second half of the season. Pekakowski, I was down on him because of that last drive in the Oklahoma game, but I tried not to have too much recency bias. So I gave him an A minus, right? When you look at it, this has been a dominant, and I mean dominant defense through five weeks. And I'm not sure if we ever thought that we would see a dominant defense, you know, at the University of Texas. We thought at this stage in the Steve Sarkeesian tenure, we would be winning games on the offensive side of the ball. And we certainly have, you know, the offense has put up points, not to the level they should, but they put up points. But I think really it's the defense that gives us confidence going into games week in and week out that we can be a special football team. They are 28th in total defense. That's really good, right? That's what you would expect. But it gets even better, right? They are 16th in scoring defense, 28th in yards allowed, 16th in letting these teams score. So it's kind of the opposite of what we're seeing with the offense, right? Where the offense can move the ball, but they score at a lower rate. Texas defense is letting teams move the ball, not even at a great rate, but 28th in the country. But they're only letting those teams score at the 16th highest rate in the country. They've been really good. Texas is 12th in the country in third downs allowed, 28%. You'll win a lot of football games if you're only allowing 28% on third down. And Texas is 12th overall in the red zone, right? Talking about the offensive struggles, the Texas defense has been elite in the red zone, 12th overall in the red zone, and that goes up to 5th. When you're talking about the money plays, touchdowns allowed in the red zone, only 31% of opposing teams' red zone trips have resulted in the touchdown. So they've been elite. Pekakowski has been elite. This unit has been elite through five weeks. They struggled a little bit in the Oklahoma game. I thought Pekakowski's decision to play soft coverage at the end of the Oklahoma game was a little disappointing. But nonetheless, he's been really good through five weeks. So favorable grades. Everybody's been good on this Texas football team. That's why they're one of the best Units, one of the best teams in the country, and certainly a Big 12 and a college football playoff contender. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.